It's a Small Solar System by Alan Howard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman. Soon the three representatives of Earth were walking shoulder to shoulder, the captain first to touch the soil. It's a Small Solar System by Alan Howard. Know him? Well, you might say I practically grew up with him. He was my hero in those days. I thought few, wiser, or greater men ever lived. In my eyes he was greater than Babe Ruth, Lindy, or the President. Of course, time and my growing up caused me to bring him into a perspective that I felt to be more consonant with his true position in his field of endeavor. When he died, his friends mourned for fond remembrance of things past, but privately many of them felt that he had outlived his best days. Now, with this glorious vindication, I wonder how many of them are still alive to feel the twinge of conscience. Oh, we're delighted, of course, but it seems incredible even today to us elated oldsters. Although we were always his staunchest admirers, in retrospect we can see now that no one believed more than we that he did it strictly for the dollar. It was likely there was always a small crop of starry-eyed adolescents who found the whole impossible saga entirely believable, or at least half-believed that it might be partly true. The attitude of the rest of us ranged from a patronizing disparagement that we thought was expected of us, through grudging admiration, and out-and-out -out enthusiasm. Certainly, if anybody had taken the trouble to consider it, and why should they have, the landing of the first manned ship on our satellite seemed to render him as obsolete as a horde of other lesser and even greater lights. At any rate, it was inevitable that the conquest of the moon would be merely a stepping stone to more distant points. Oh, no, I had nothing to do with the selection of the Red Planet, coming in as the head of Project P-4 in its latter stages, as I did when Dr. Fredericks died. The selection had already been made. Yes, it's quite likely I may have been plugging for Mars below the conscious level. A combination of chance, expediency, and popular demand made Mars the next target, rather than Venus which was, in some ways, the more logical goal. I would have given anything to have gone, but the metaphorical stout heart that one reporter once credited me with is not the same as an old man's actual fatty heart. And there were heartbreak years ahead before the Goddard was finally ready. During this time he slipped further into obscurity, while big, important things were happening all around us. You're right, that one big creation of his is bigger than ever. It has passed into the language, and meant employment for thousands of people. Too few of them have ever heard of him. Of course, he is still known and welcomed by a small circle of acquaintances, but to the world at large he is truly a forgotten man. It is worthy to note that one of the oldest of these acquaintances was present at blastoff time. He happened to be the grandfather of a certain competent young crewman. 
the old man was a proud figure during the brief ceremonies and his eyes filled with tears as the mighty rocket climbed straight up on its fiery tail he remained there gazing up in the sky long after it had vanished he was heard to murmur i'm glad the kid could go but it's just a lark to him he never had a sense of wonder how could he nobody reads any more afterwards his senile emotions betrayed him and he broke down completely and had to be led from the field it is rumored he did not live long after that the goddard drove on until mars filled the viz screen it was planned to make at least a half dozen breaking passes around the planet for observational purposes before the actual business of bringing the ship in for landfall began as expected the atmosphere proved to be thin the speculated dead sea areas oddly enough turned out to be just that to the surprise of some it was soon evident that mars possessed or had possessed a high civilization the canali of scarparelli were indeed broad waterways stretching from pole to pole too regular to be anything but the work of intelligence but most wonderful of all were the scattered but fairly numerous large walled cities which dotted the world everybody was excited eager to land and start exercising their specialties one of these large cities was selected more or less at random it was decided to set down just outside yet far enough from the walls to avoid any possibility of damage from the landing jets in the event the city was inhabited even if deserted the entire scientific personnel would have raised a howl that would have been heard all the way back on earth if just a section of the wall was scorched when planetfall was completed and the observers had time to scan the surroundings it was seen that the city was very much alive what keeps them up marveled kachansky the aeronautics and rocketry authority the sky swarmed with ships of strange design the walls were crowded with inhabitants too far away for detailed observation even as they looked an enormous gate opened and a procession of mounted figures emerged in the event the place was deserted the captain would have had the honor of being the first to touch martian soil while atmospheric and other checks were being run he gave orders for the previously decided alternative captain semanticist and anthropologist would make the first contact with all checks agreed that it was safe to open locks soon the three representatives of earth were walking shoulder to shoulder down the ramp it was apparent that the two scientists purposely missed strides inches from the end so that it was the captain's foot that actually touched the ground first the cavalcade though these beasties were certainly not horses was now near enough to the ship for details to be seen surprise and wonderment filled the crew for while the multi-legged steeds were as alien as any one might expect to find on an alien world the riders were very definitely humanoid briefly brightly and barbarically trapped as they were by earth standards they seemed to be little distinguishable from the homegrown homo saps the approaching company 
appeared to be armed mainly with swords and lances but also in evidence were some tubular affairs that could very well be some sort of projectile discharging device the captain suddenly felt uncomfortably warm it was a heavy responsibility he hoped these martians wouldn't be the type of madmen who believed in the shoot first inquire later theory even as he stood there outwardly calm but jittering internally the martian riders pulled up ten feet from the earthmen their leader tall dark-haired and subtly lighter in hue than his companions dismounted and approached the captain with outstretched hand he took the captain's in a firm grip let it be recorded here to the shame of an earth where reading for pleasure is virtually a lost pastime that not one man on the goddard realized the significance of what followed how do you do he said in perfect english with an unmistakable trace of a southern accent welcome to barsoom my name is john carter it's a small solar system by alan howard 